Well, good morning. I hope everyone is well. Uh, I hope that your Sunday morning was peaceful getting ready for church. I know sometimes that can be a challenge, and that's sometimes the time that the enemy attacks us the most is when we're going to gather with the body. So it's an honor to be with you today. So if you have your Bible, and I hope that you do, turn with me to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. And if you don't have a Bible, you're more than welcome to use the blue Bible on the chair back in front of you. And if you don't have a Bible, take that Bible home as a gift from us to you. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we come before you today uh, with hearts of thanksgiving. Lord, we have so much to be thankful for. The simple truth is that there is breath in our lungs today and our hearts are beating, and that's evidence of your plan in our lives. Father, we praise you for your word today. We praise you for the word of God that um, in your sovereignty, Lord, that that. You have granted us your word, Lord, the full revelation of your, of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, you have given it to us as a gift, Lord, in which we can walk in. Lord, I pray that today, Lord, that we would be sanctified in it, that we would grow more in the image of Jesus through the truth of your word. And Father, I pray today that your word uh, would pierce every heart today, that through your word, Lord, that... Um, Walls that perhaps have been built up over past hurt or uh, broken relationships, Lord, that uh, your word would pierce that heart with truth, and that truth would produce hope and healing. Lord, I pray today that the truth of your word, Lord, uh, would convict hearts for those today who are walking openly in sin and brokenness. Lord, I pray that your truth would bring us to repentance. Lord, I pray that today your truth would grant us the true freedom that is only found in Christ Jesus. Lord, we love you. We praise you for this time. I ask that you do what I'm unable to do, and that's to transform lives and hearts today. We love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen, Cora. I just, I love, I love, love, love having babies in the sitting here today. So don't ever. Don't ever feel like you need to get up. Those babies are a sign of life, and so we love having them here. So Today, as we look at these majestic three verses, I want to first circle back to where we were last week. Last week was most likely a great challenge for most of you in this room. It was very challenging for me in my, in my study of it. 
as I've told Marlon over and over again, the Lord rang me out like a dish rag last week in studying of that text. The truth is, is that we were not just sin sick. We were not just critically ill, but we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And that truth is a struggle. It's a struggle for us to comprehend. It's a struggle for us to walk in daily. Um, but it's important that we understand that this struggle is, is part of the plan of the Lord to set us free from the bondage. The reason that this is such a struggle for us is because it takes our own will out of the equation. But today I hope that you see that our will is placed solely on God and the work of Christ. Today we, we see more of the depth of the idea of the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Today also will be a challenge as we look at a few really important theological words. Today we will talk about um, a big theological word, justification. Today we'll talk about a big theological word, imputation. And then we'll circle back to what we, we landed on last week of regeneration. While early in my seminary days, these are just words that I used to love to set around when I was young and debate theology, and preachers love to debate the words of. The words themselves don't mean a whole lot, but their biblical significance changes everything. Because of their truth, we truly walk in freedom found in Christ and Christ alone. So let's dive into our text today. Look at verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may both may boast. Church, our faith is a gift from God. Although many times we don't walk in this truth, it doesn't make it less of a truth, though, that faith is a gift. It is not an expression of human achievement, human effort, or human ability. While most of us know this, if you have spent any time in a Bible teaching church, you know this. But for whatever reason, whether it be a battle of our flesh and just our sense for pride and control, we know it, but we don't live it. It's important that you hear this and you receive it. You cannot control this. And that can be a challenge. You cannot manufacture this. Our faith is a gift from God and God alone. Our faith is the first fruit of righteousness. Coming off the heels of last week, I expected honestly to get calls from you to discuss more about what you believe about your free will. Or as I said last week, your free will to do the things of the world. Paul circles back to this today, the doctrine of justification by faith. This doctrine was at the heart of the Reformation. 
And to be honest, it is still a truth that many churches that label themselves as Christians still do not practice nor teach. While we discuss this important truth, I will, I will only touch on it today um, lightly because it's going to come up over and over the course of this epistle as we dig in. So then, what is justification? It is a crucial starting point in our understanding the depth and the love of our salvation. How one defines justification will determine not only how one thinks and believes, but more importantly, how one lives. The Roman Catholics, for example, define justification as synonymous with sanctification. They, they teach that, that by sanctified and by justified is something that you slowly grow into. This is not biblical. Justification is not something that you grow into. And it's really, really important that you understand that. This is, a de this is detrimental and it's not biblical and has created confusion in the life of the church even outside the Roman Catholic tradition. One standing on the final day is determined by the growth of Christ's righteousness in him alone which is first imputed to us in regeneration, or we are granted the righteousness of Christ. Justification, if you can look at it in like more of a legal standpoint, justification is essentially a clean slate before a holy God, right? We stand clean in the final judgment because of the work of Christ on the cross. This is the beauty of the gospel. It's first that we were born under the wrath of God because we were born in sin. And we are guilty in our flesh. Or as Paul said last week, right? We're dead in our trespasses and sins. And because of that sin, we stand before a holy God guilty. But God, like we said last week, two of the most powerful Loving words in the scriptures, but God, being rich in mercy, right? Sent his son Jesus. And on the cross, the condemnation that you and I deserve was placed solely on the Lord Jesus. In his death, in his resurrection, he established hope. He established salvation. So in our regeneration, or like we said last week, where, where Jesus taught in John 3 to be born again, that we can move from death to life in our regeneration, in our salvation, and hear me and hear me well on this, we are fully justified before a holy God. Fully. Your sins are forgotten before a holy God because of the work of Christ. This was the work of Christ on the cross. I love question 33 of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. It, says, it teaches on justification. It says, justification is an act of God's free grace wherein he pardons all of our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight. Only for the righteousness of Christ 
imputed to us and received by faith alone. Notice that justification is an act. It's not a work or a process. And that's really, really important that we understand that. Justification is an act in which we are set free. We are clean of our sins and our brokenness before a holy God. It's not a process we grow in. It's a statement of finality. You're not, you're not being justified. You are justified. It is not a hopeful destination. It is God's gracious, once-for-all verdict. His declaration of a person to be, to be righteous in Christ and therefore fully accepted in God. Beautiful of that. The Greek words for justification and righteousness belong in the legal sphere of our vocabulary because they are final. No control of our own. I love what Paul writes to the Romans in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 34 in this text. He says, What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how would he also, how would he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? This is important. It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who is indeed is interceding for us. Praise be to God. This is why every believer should be praising God daily for the fact that he has received as a gift, not only for salvation, but for justification that comes through faith and by faith itself. And as Ms. Jean and the team will sing in a little bit, your sins are forgotten in justification. Hebrews 8.12 says, For I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Ms. Jean, we didn't even talk about that. And you're seeing mercies or more later today. That's the Spirit of God. For I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. I really, really believe that this idea of justification is something that many, many people struggle with. Many of you still carry the bondage of your former sins with you. And Christ does not feel the same way. Many of you have things in your life that have taken place in your past that hold you captive because you truly don't understand that you have been set free from them. That when God looks upon you, he doesn't see that brokenness. He doesn't see that mess. He sees his son Jesus. He sees his righteousness. And church, while this idea may be new for you today, or perhaps you've heard it multiple times, it should do something within you. It really should. 
It should bring you to your knees in humbleness. It should bring a heart of praise. The Lord in His mercy, the Lord in His love, in His grace, has done what you and I cannot do. In our regeneration, in our being born again, He has justified you by faith. Oh, how marvelous of a, of, a song, of a truth this is. Oh, how wonderful of a truth this is. I just, I desire more and more than anything for you to see this beauty and to walk in it. And guess what? The beauty is found in the truth that you did nothing to deserve it and you did nothing to earn it. Because it is not a result of works, as the Apostle Paul says. It is not a result of works, so that no one may boast. If, if what Paul has just said were not enough to seal the controversy once and for all, he gives another qualifier that no one should miss, saying that our salvation is not a result of works. I love the line of the great hymn, Rock of Ages. Anybody like that song? Love that song. In one of the, uh, one of the verses it says, Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. The only merit that can get us to heaven is that of Jesus Christ. Paul says this emphatically in Romans 3.20. He says, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. There's no other way to being justified outside of the work of Jesus Christ. The Bible says explicitly that no one will be justified through observing the law. We are justified by faith. Faith alone is sufficient. Let's keep going as the riches of his immeasurable grace keep going. And this is where it gets really, really good. This is one I've been really excited about preaching on every time we say the memory verse. is verse 10. In fact, last night, Andrew and I got to go on a date, and, uh, which is really rare to get to go on a date. We got to go on a date, and we were at the Mexican restaurant waiting on a table and Andrea met someone, and so she came to me and said, hey, you're a preacher. They were actually from Texas. She said, what are you preaching on? And she shouldn't have said that because I started preaching right there in the, in the, in the restaurant about verse 10. Would that embarrass you if you were with me during that time? Verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We understand by nature, and we talked about this last week, biologically, we are created by God. Man did not create himself. Even though we live as if we have this authority, we don't. We were created by the craftsmanship and the workmanship of God. But it's important here to understand that Paul is not talking about creation here. When Paul says that 
that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, he's not talking about the creation of humanity. He's not even talking about the creation when you came to be, when he knit you together in your mother's womb. He's not talking about that, and it's really important. Paul here is talking about our recreation. Paul here is talking about our regeneration. Remember 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, what? The new has come. Or in our text last week, if you go back to verses 4 and 5, it says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, what? Made us alive together with Christ. But God, being rich in mercy, made us alive. By grace you have been saved. This is in the new birth. This idea of us being his workmanship is a picture after we are regenerated, after we are born again, we become his workmanship. And this is really, really important because I think we've read this many, many times and we understand and we claim this promise, but this promise is for those who know him and walk in his ways. We are his workmanship. Paul is talking about our redemption and the renewal of the fallen humanity from spiritual death. This description can cause some confusion, but I want to help you understand the power and the beauty of your salvation. When we are born, we're created in the image of God. Or the Latin phrase is the imago Dei. That's like we're going to have our first Calvary youth camp this summer, and the theme of our first Calvary youth camp this summer will be the imago Dei. So our, our teenagers, our students will spend an entire week studying what it means to be created in the image of God. But we see this in the first chapter of Genesis. Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This truth changes the way we see the world because all are created in the image of God. Everyone. But in the sin of Adam, our image, our identity was perverted. It was stained with sin. It is spiritually dead. And only in the new birth in Christ, faith to believe can make us alive. It cannot be accomplished through your works or your grit, right? Or following the law. Only by grace are you saved. But this idea of our regeneration, that we become a new creation, a new work, the old identity is dead, behold, the new has come. I want to spend a little bit of time today exploring this beautiful truth that we are his workmanship. While some of, some of the more creative people here today understand that word very, very well. I'm not very creative. I'm not. I, tell, I, told, um, I told the girls that were here practicing music this week, I said, I have no rhythm and I'm tone deaf. Like, so from a musical standpoint, I have no talents at all. Like, so that creative thing is not, is not for me. 
but some of you understand that idea of workmanship. And, but I want to truly build it out from a biblical standpoint today. So in the Greek, the word for workmanship carries much more depth than what we see at face value, perhaps. It is the, it is the Greek word poema, right? Poema, which is the same word that we derive the English word poem. We are his poem. We are his poetry. We are his masterpiece. Think about that. Close your eyes for a minute and say, we are his masterpiece. We are his workmanship. Do you believe that about yourself today? Do you walk in that truth today? Yes, we are his workmanship. But a better understanding of this word in the English language is masterpiece. In our rebirth, in our regeneration, in us being born again, in us being justified by faith, something takes place. A new creation comes. And in that new creation, we are the work of God, right? Think about that. Like we are uniquely designed for good work. But it's more than that. It's more personal. It's more beautiful. It's not by, it's not by chance that the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, used the word masterpiece. Because if you were born again, you were so beautiful. But for most of us, we don't see it. You are his masterpiece. It seems to me that, at least in today's usage, that word workmanship, while it does have some value, and but in the English translation, I don't think it provides us the depth of the purpose that God had in mind for the church at Ephesus and for us today. In our regeneration, in our salvation, I want you to hear me clear. We are created in the image of God, but also the glory of God. Not just the image of God. That's what every everyone in humanity was created in the image of God. But when you are born again, when you are regenerated, you're not just created in the image of God, you're created in the glory of God. Hallelujah. Not just the image of God, but the glory of God. Church, in our salvation, we are created for more. This powerful truth, this powerful identity, points us back to the beauty of the body of Christ. It points us back to the church. This idea of his masterpiece points us back to chapter 1, right? Versus the last two verses there where it says that we are his body. The church who fills all in all. Like, Do you see where that truth points back? 
the significance of, of the body of Christ, the significance of the church, we are his masterpiece. This is your identity. You are his masterpiece through the church. The manifold wisdom of Christ is being put on display by you. There is no plan B. Like the way that you live your life, the interactions you have every single day outside of the gathering is the way God is redeeming all things. It is the way God is restoring all things. Because guess what? He's equipped you and you are his masterpiece. We are the crowning achievement of all creation. Through his masterpiece, he chose to use us to co-rule. Through his masterpiece, his word was written through the inspiration of the Spirit. Through his masterpiece, the good news is preached. Brothers and sisters, I've prayed all week that this truth would land heavy on you today. I pray that you would be convicted. I pray that you, if you're not walking in this truth, that you would repent and be set free. Because for many of us, we just go about our day as if nothing is different about us. Like we do, we just kind of go through the motions as if nothing is different. And because of that, we live like the rest of the world 90% of our lives, 90% of the breath that we take, we live like the rest of the world. We don't live like his masterpiece. Because for many of us, we just get stuck in the day to day. We don't see the big picture of what Christ has called us So ask yourself this, why do we live like the rest of the world when we were created for so much more? But we are more. We are the body of Christ. We are a new creation in him. The old has passed away. The new has come. In our newness, it is a masterpiece. We are, create, we are his poetry created in the image of God, created in the glory of God. In our rebirth, we are the overflow of His glory. Stop living the same spiritual dead life as you did before you were transformed by the gospel of Jesus. You were created for more. His masterpiece, His workmanship. You know, I was thinking about this a lot this week. I remember vividly, you know, because I was saved as an adult, I remember vividly when I was born again. Probably for me, because I, had, I struggled with so much temptation and sin, before I knew Jesus, I was a, a full-fledged alcoholic. I drank first thing in the morning, and I drank myself to sleep at night. I was a full-fledged drug addict. I smoked marijuana. I did I did uh, cocaine. I did all of these, everything that you can imagine, I did. I smoked three packs of cigarettes a day. And the Lord took me to the end of myself. And when I gave my life to Christ, 
he took it all away. Like, from the moment I knew the Lord, I never want to even crave a cigarette again. Not even like, I can be around it. From the moment I knew the Lord, I've never craved a beer again. I've never craved a glass of whiskey again. I've never craved any of it again. God took it all away from me. That's not the story for everyone. I say that to say this. When God called me and he set me apart and he gave me a new name, his son, it caused me to live differently. And because it caused me to live differently, I had to begin to look at the people that I was living with. And that was hard. And that's something that many of you are not willing to do. Some of the reasons that you still walk in the the sins of your past is because you still hang out with the sins of your past. For me, I had to step aside from all of it. And literally, I spent the next four years of my life just studying the Word of God and trying to figure out what all this meant. I did not even, even consider finding someone that would be my future wife because in my brokenness, I did not think I could be a husband. Because I come from generations of divorce. My dad was married three times. My granddad was married four times. My great-granddad, I don't know how many times he was married and divorced. And so I bought into this lie for years that I could not be a man that could live faithfully to a wife, even after I knew the Lord. That's an evidence of me holding on to former sins, right? That's not true. My sins, the generational brokenness that I came from was wiped clean on the cross. Church, that is the way we must live. I don't care where you you come from. I don't care that you come from a line of brokenness. That does not define who you are. Because Jesus has defined who you are in the work he did on the cross. And he says, you are born again. You are his new creation. You are his masterpiece. And through you, he will restore all things in the church. Don't cling to the brokenness of your past. It doesn't define you. It's not your identity. If we think about the detail needed to create a masterpiece. I mean, I don't even know. I'm not creative enough, you know. Like, when I draw, it's like a stick figure. And um, maybe my masterpiece is still a masterpiece because it's from me. But there's great detail in creating a masterpiece. I love to watch people who, who are artists and they paint. And how they can see, like, the different levels of it. Like, they'll paint the background. And they'll paint the, the layers of it. And you're like, what are they painting? And next thing you know, the shadows are there. Next thing you know, the, the picture that they're actually painting is there. There's like so much detail to create a masterpiece. Think of that detail. Think of that beauty. That's who you are in Christ. For some of you, that's all you need to hear today. You are a masterpiece. No matter how broken things seem around you, He is here. He has equipped you. He loves you. He called you by name. He regenerated you in Him. He justified you by faith and faith alone. You are His masterpiece. But for what end? 
I'm glad you asked, even though you didn't. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The preposition here, and you'll be proud of me, the preposition here for is really important. It's not that we are created in Christ Jesus by good works. That is not what it says. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. That is one of the goals of our rebirth and our redemption. The reason that God saved us from spiritual death and darkness, where we had been walking according to the of our flesh, the goal there is that we would be justified, that we would be redeemed, that we would walk in His righteousness. You will hear me quote this verse almost every time we gather. And the reason is, is that it's a verse that I walk with every day and it rattles around in my head. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the what? The righteousness of God. This is, this is your purpose, to walk in Him. In our regeneration, in our salvation, we are imputed the righteousness of God. Or better, better say, we are attributed, right? If you don't understand the word imputed, we are attributed the, word of the righteousness of God. Or maybe this, we are ascribed the righteousness of God. I believe that this is a missing truth in many of our lives. In our salvation, in our new life, one of the reasons we struggle with living as God has called us is because we don't walk in this very truth. We are the righteousness of Christ. This is our identity. You are no longer Joel or Jeanette. You're no longer Ashley. Ashley's back there watching the babies. You are no longer Hadassah. I am no longer Chris. You are in Christ. But you also carry his identity and his righteousness. This is, this is how you are created for good works because you are ascribed the works. Because we are his body. In this truth, we are equipped. Did you know that you're equipped for every good work? Did you know that? That he's not going to bring anything to you for you to do that you're not already equipped to walk through. Does that mean it won't be hard? Yes, it'll be hard. Does that mean it won't stretch you out of your comfort zone? Yes, it'll stretch you. It'll stretch you immensely to a breaking point sometimes, but he's equipped you to do it. This is one of the truths that I love to see you walk in as your pastor. Many of us live in fear to try something new, right? I can't teach. I can't lead a Bible study, Chris. I can't share the gospel with my spiritually dead neighbor. I can't disciple my children in the faith. I can't love my neighbor. I can't. I can't. I can't. I'm scared. I don't feel comfortable. 
That's for someone else to do, surely. Guess what? In your flesh, you're right. You can't. But in Christ, you're equipped for this good work. You were created for it. Many misunderstand the doctrine of justification by faith alone. And I think it means that if we have faith, then we don't have to worry about performing good works. And that's just not true. It's just not biblical. If we are justified, however, if we are his craftsmanship, the masterpiece of Christ, if we have been recreated, if the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us, we most certainly will manifest the change that God has brought to pass by doing the good works God prepared beforehand. How comforting is it to know that the good works in which he's, he's given you to do, he prepared beforehand so that you would walk in them. What is God calling you to walk in today? What good works has he laid before you that you've been disobedient because you're too scared to try? What good works has the Lord laid before you that you've been disobedient to do because you're scared it may stretch you out too thin? This is a touch, church, of that immeasurable grace that he talked about there in verse 7. A touch of the iceberg of the inheritance that Paul talks about in chapter 1. This is the beauty of the body of Christ. So church, today, I urge you, let's go out and put that beauty on display. Let me pray for us.